everyone. Welcome to another episode of the She Ventures Now podcast. I am your host, Gail Nicole, and I'm super stoked for this season and also this episode. In this episode, I actually interview one of my closest friends, Alexandria Dees. She's out of Seattle and she is a mental health professional and a licensed mental health counselor associate. I'm super proud of her and I'm also just beaming with happiness that finally, 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 I got a chance to record one of our conversations that we've been having for years and years about our journey in being single and the different insights she has shared with me that have encouraged me deeply, not only in my spiritual walk with God, but also just traveling and navigating this life alone as a single woman. I think you're going to really treasure this interview much like I have. And I would encourage you, you know, take notes um, of some things that she says. Uh, she is a woman of wisdom. She's a woman of purpose. She's a woman of creativity. She's a singer and worship leader at City Church in Seattle. She's also a songwriter. And she is just one of the most incredible people that I know in the world. And so I am truly just like stoked. And I know that you're probably going to enjoy this interview as much as I did doing it. So here we go. Hey, girl. Hey. How you doing? I'm doing well. Alex, thanks so much for making the time. You're my longtime pal in Seattle, and I feel like it's been uh, a minute since I said, hey, Alex, we should record our conversations about singleness, about career change, about everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so what I want to do is just kind of allow for space for you to for you to introduce yourself to our podcast audience, and we can jump right into the first topic. Okay. Um, well, I want to start by saying, like, we've known each other for, I mean, it's got to be going on a decade now. So I feel like that's an accomplishment. <laughs> yes. Yes. Actually, it's been a decade. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Met in college. We didn't go to the same school, but close enough. And uh, let's see a little, a little bit about me. My name is Alex. I'm from Florida. Uh, I live in Seattle now. I've been here for about five and a half years. And I am a licensed mental health counselor. Uh, yeah. I have a license in that and that's my full-time work and I also sing and write music so I don't know that's the basics that's like an intro you know yeah yeah and I think um what we, are you in a relationship now Alex Just I am all the way single all the way all the yeah. way Okay. That'll just frame the conversation because the topic we're, we're kind of jumping into is singleness. And one of the things that I've always appreciated and loved about our conversations and our friendship is as we both grew, we would share stuff with each other and be like, man, that was good. That was deep. That helped yeah. me. That helped me this month. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I have been dying to get you on a podcast and just kind of share a little bit of the nuggets of aha moments um, of even things that you've kind of picked up from going back to school and getting licensed as a therapist and how they can relate to uh, being emotionally healthy as a single woman. So um, let's start with what your singleness journey has been like. Can you like talk about that or just okay. 
kind of share. I mean, I know some stuff is too vulnerable, but like share just yeah. like what's your story? Um, well, let's see. <laughs> so let's just start with growing up, just kind of adolescent teenage years. I was the person that everyone told all their business to. That's probably how I ended up as a counselor, right? And so I could hear like all my friends, all especially girls and even the guys would tell me all their business. And I was like, I'm not interested in doing what you did. Like, I don't want any of that. So I was just like, I'm not doing it. I'm not dating. I don't want a boyfriend. Like I was like on that whole train kind of yeah. in my most formative dating years, like as a um, teenager and even into my late teens, even into college, because I was like, well, if I'm not ready to get married, then I'm not ready to date. So that was my mindset. Yeah. And so I was the no girl. I like turned down all the dates. <laughs> I was not trying to holler back. Like girl, you know, I was the no girl. And so then when I transitioned to being like, okay, now I am ready for a relationship, which was kind of my focus after I graduated from college, I found that I didn't really have the skills to date and to, mm. I had to figure out how I felt about guys and relations. I had like all this stuff that yeah. I really the process and work through. So I became pretty aware that I was, well, I was well-developed and mature in so many other areas of my life. I think part of that's because I didn't focus on dating and relationships. I was underdeveloped in this area. That's interesting. So I had to learn a lot. Yeah. And so while I've had some really great guy friends, some really good men who, um, you know, we discussed if there could be a future for us, things like that. I have always been single. And so I would say like, I'm, that's why I say I'm all the way single. I'm extra single. I've never been in a relationship. No, that's not true. When I was like maybe 11 or something, I had this little boyfriend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was older than me. He was like several years older than me. And he kissed me. And my mom found out and she had a conversation with me about that. And I don't know. That really turned me off, too. I was like, mm, we're not doing this anymore. So, yeah. which that's actually an important part of my story. So yeah, yeah. There's so many things. There's little things that I can relate to being single for a long time. Even though I'm in a relationship now, being single for a long time. I mean, if you've been single for a long time up until your 30s, oh, I feel like you can say you can speak to singleness um, more than people who've, you know, maybe have platforms and they talk about singleness in a generic level, like a generic generalization of singleness and, and it's like they don't understand the journey of being single in your adulthood you know but go ahead and talk about your extra single moments right like do you have moments uh, not so much in high school but like moments and I would even say beyond college where you felt extra single like talk to us about that well I feel like my baseline is feeling extra single <laughs> For real. I mean, I'm laughing, but that's real. Yeah. And I'm not saying that from like a place of a deep emotional wounding or anything. That's just my reality because I do want a partner. I want companionship. I want to start a family. So kind of that's where I am. And that's where I've been for years. Yeah. So I felt my singleness. Um, I mean, I've had some like, you know, moments where I feel more single than others. That's mostly like if I, I went to a movie theater one time and when we left, I got, we were, I got on the elevator and I saw a guy from my church and he was with his girlfriend. Now they're married. And I felt like everybody else, in the, it was real packed. Every, it was a lot of bodies. And I felt like everybody in the elevator was like booed up and cuddled up with somebody. And I was out alone. This was like on a Friday or a Saturday night. And I just felt like, oh my gosh, I'm never doing this again. So yeah. that was like a real like heavy moment for me because I, I was like, I want to go to the movies with a man who I'm like actually in a relationship with. And again, I felt like, these incredible guy friends who have just really loved me and served me and um, been awesome for me. But when I was younger, they were probably blocking because everywhere I went, they were with me. So, yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I feel like my baseline is feeling extra single. Yeah. yeah. Because I feel like I have 
accomplishments and events and things that go by. And uh, I don't have anybody to really celebrate with. I have incredible friends and family uh, who are very supportive, but I often feel like the most important things to me, I am experiencing alone. So, right. And that's you know, interesting. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Good. That's all. That's all. You know, it's like no one cares the way I want somebody to care, the way I would expect a partner to if we were doing life together, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I'm going to put a little mental asterisk around the celebrate with part, but you know, you said something about extra singleness being like your baseline for me. It wasn't so much my baseline as it, as it, as it was. Um, I remember feeling extra single in moments, uh, like small moments where it's like, like leaving church on a Sunday. Mm. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. like you receive something from the, the experience, the service, um, the message, or it was an event and it's just, you have no one to share it with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know what I mean? Like those things. I remember moments where I would be serving in a retreat and I would feel extra single when my friends who also served with me, who had spouses would be would like cut conversation short because they had to like go home to their spouse where I just felt like oh that's the, those are the moments where I was like I need someone <laughs> clearly I'm not gonna make it yeah um, and then really practical moments for me <laughs> like every time you find a like you're looking for an apartment uh, I just okay. feel like you feel it you feel it like your budget feels it <laughs> I don't know. Those are moments where I feel like they're extra single for sure. But the celebrate the celebrate with, I have to say, I agree with you on that. Like I definitely feel extra singleness. And I think a lot of women feel this too, is when you don't, you, you, you reach a milestone and it's like mm-hmm. you're popping champagne bottles by yourself trying to celebrate. And you're like, but isn't it supposed to be something else? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. And it's I not that I don't celebrate my own thing, but I'm not really like, I'm an introvert. I like to be at home. Like I'm good. I'm real chill. So a lot of times if something else isn't happening, I don't, I feel like I do celebrate, but not in any kind of significant way. So it'd be nice to just have a conversation with somebody who is as invested in me. Absolutely. Right. So you, you're my really good friend. So you celebrate a lot of things with me in a very meaningful way that I appreciate. And in my heart, I still feel like, oh my gosh, I wish I had somebody who cared about this as much as I do because we're building something together. Oh, of course. I want to build with somebody. So that's yeah. why I feel missing from my, from my life. <laughs> I want to build with someone. Okay. So go ahead. Go ahead. That's it. So how about you talk to us about like, and these are, and this is where the nuggets of Alex's wisdom get to shine and come forth as gold. Yay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I really want to hear some yeah. aha moments. No, because this is the stuff that I feel like is going to be in Alex D's like either memoir or like, you know, her life coaching therapist material one day, just because I know that is, it is completely what we call blessed me. It has really encouraged me. Some of your aha moments in your journey of being single. Now I feel like I could write it for you. I could tell you. Okay. But I want you, I want you to say it. Cause when you say it, it has always been beautiful. It is always, I'm like your cheerleader because yes, you are. I appreciate it. Love you girl. <laughs> I love you too. Okay. Uh, so one, this is like a huge aha moment of singleness for me and probably what I would consider to be the most significant. Yeah. Um, I was going on a walk with a friend. Uh, this was a few years ago, a couple years ago, and we talked about this after, after the conversation. Um, and I don't know how we got around to it. She's married and she's got, she has children and 
we were walking and all of a sudden it was just like grace it's all grace because i'm a christian and so i have this thing where i believe that because i serve and love god he's going to take care of me and so that's kind of like a very simplified version of part of my worldview. Like he's gonna look out for me, he's gonna take care of me. And so I feel like he's done that in literally every area of my life without exception. Work, friendships, family, everything, opportunities. Um, and it was like, well, why wouldn't he also do that with this area, you right. know? He's got a track record. Yeah. yeah, exactly, yes. And so part of that was just looking at my married friends. I was just like, ain't none of them perfect. Yeah. I don't want. Like, and they tell me their business. So I know, like, you know, <laughs> they're like, none of them are perfect. And I, I felt like I had been fed this. Oh, that sounds bad. I felt like I had been given the impression just all throughout childhood, growing up, everything that as soon as I would, I was ready, he would appear. And the reason yeah. that, that the reason that I was single was because I still needed to get something together in my life. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yep. When you're ready, when um, you're, you have no debt, when you're <laughs> perfect, yes. when you're a great housekeeper and homemaker, yes. when you've dealt with every issue, when you have no insecurities, when you're happy by yourself. I'm yes. just like, I'm looking at my married friends and what none of them like this when they got married and none of them are like that now. Like, yes. that's, not, that's like a bunch of bull. And so I just started to really process this. Yes. Um, that that was unreasonable and untrue based on my own observation. So that um, also accompanied with becoming a counselor and professionally listening to people's business and kind of helping them to think through their own relationship issues. I mean, people cry in my office every single day, big, strong, grown men, women, all the things. And most of the times, a lot of times it's about their relationships with their significant other. And um, ain't none of them perfect either. None of them have their stuff together. And I was like, hmm, I just, I don't know. I felt like, you know, I read a lot of self-help books growing up and I was obviously in church. I love Jesus. I was, you know, brought up in church and in, um, in Christianity. And uh, I just felt like all the messaging was about becoming a, not the perfect woman, but basically no one used that word, but that was kind of the, the expressed intention. Go ahead. Yeah. Don't lose that thought, by the way, that I don't want you to feel like I'm pumping brakes. Don't lose the thought. No, no, go ahead. I agree with that because I feel like even though we don't say this is the standard or this is the perfect standard, we use pseudonyms of another, of an, it's like a, we you it's, it's weird, but it's like a, another standard. It's, you've got to reach this standard to be wife material. You know, you got, you got to get your, to get your MRS degree via part of the church or even people who are not in the church. Cause I think they both come at you with different standards of like, this is what you should be doing to be dating a lot or married. Mm -hmm. And I, I agree with you. It can be so taxing on the mind and the heart because you, you wonder like, I'm, I think it hit me like a ton of bricks um, uh, literally around the same, maybe around the same time we had some conversation about grace where I was like, I don't think it takes this much. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't think it takes this much. Yeah. Somebody, yeah. Not somebody again we're not blaming anyone but the material that is out there that talks about getting ready for marriage or the, the sermons that we've heard sometimes can influence us to think that there's another standard you haven't met Absolutely. yet mm -hmm. yeah. yeah I mean I just feel like I realized that I didn't need to do anything like I could just stop mm -hmm. which is what I did I mean I had this core belief that 
I needed to do things in order for my guy to find me, to be able to recognize me whenever he arrives in my life. And I just realized that was a lie. I literally just decided that I don't believe that, you know, which is the beauty about core beliefs. We can change them at any time. If something is no longer serving you, come on, somebody. Let's see what we can do to adapt get rid of it, replace it, but let's do something else. And that, that belief was really causing me harm. I feel, I feel like it was self-destructive. I always felt like I wasn't enough. And that's a lie. That's a lie. I'm looking around at the fruit of my life and I see good. And I'm, I felt like because I wasn't married, there was this, this uh, fierce implication that I was not good enough and that the yeah. fruit of my life wasn't valuable. And I rejected that. So I know for me, I had to reject the idea that I wasn't spiritual enough mm. specifically. And then there were some times where I had to reject the idea that I wasn't beautiful enough. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh girl. Yes. It can, <laughs> it can do such a work. I mean, on the spiritual side, it can do such a work and you feel huh. like you have to do more to connect to God, to get a husband, you know, and My then gosh. it can do a work on your heart as a woman for you to feel like everything is about measuring up to someone's idea of beauty for a man's idea of beauty to, you know, it's just, it's just doesn't work on you, you know, all the time. And it's so taxing, like carrying around this idea, this antiquated, this belief, this belief that doesn't serve us. It's taxing on the inside, you know? But. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, we've had a lot of conversations around beauty so and, and all the things. I would say that's another thing. Like no one taught me growing up that the most important thing for men to feel attracted to me was the way I look. Like, I, 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 I know. Go in, I, Alex, go in. Let's go ahead and give you the microphone. Turn up your microphone. Alex, turn up your microphone because this is where you're going to get the falsetto. They need to hear you in the back. They need to hear you in the back. Girl, I just feel like nobody told me that. I mean, you think I would know, but I didn't because people always told me that if you were like the good girl, you went to church, you love the Lord, you went to school, you got good grades, you were smart, you behaved in an acceptable fashion, that everything would just work out. Like that's the kind of girl that men really want. That is not, I mean, there are many, like all sorts of things, but I do feel like a really important piece of the puzzle was not communicated to me. And I wish that it had been because I had to figure it out myself. <laughs> it's like when we realized it was free, it was like, girl, okay. yeah. girl. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I believe I have to look a specific way. I need to look like me, but I need to care about how I look and really invest in that. Um, and yeah. so I just, I wish somebody had told me. So if, if there's somebody watching or listening, you don't know, let me tell you. <laughs> Pause though. But here's, I do want to say this just so that the listeners know my girl, Alex looked the bomb before she realized this <laughs> and after. Cause I don't think people would, I think sometimes people would exactly. be like, Oh, well, did you look, like, did you look, you look, mess? No, you don't you look great. The, all the years that I've known you, you look great. Like you bomb.com. So I just, it's interesting how but it just, wasn't a conscious exactly I wasn't conscious that this was what really matters. Like at least initially, like like the ninety nine point nine 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 percent. Nobody told me. I thought that other things. People always said how much other things were more important, like your character, which I do think down the line they become more important. But initially, 
he can't see my character. He can't right. see me. He can't, he can't see that. And it's so funny because um, Priscilla Shire, I love that she's kind of evolved and allowed herself another platform. She's got a YouTube channel now called The Talk. And in one of her first episodes of her talk show, she invited on men in her life that are trusted friends of hers to kind of speak to the singleness topic. And one of the persons was her husband. And so the topic she talked about, she said, guys, I really want y'all to address the whole topic about beauty. Does it really matter? Or do you, are you guys looking for a godly woman, a godly character? And literally every one of them, especially her husband, she talked to her husband, she, she gave him the microphone and he said, can I see how godly you are? <laughs> And he didn't bat an eye. He did but not. He was like, I but can't see how godly you are when I meet you. Like, and it's funny because again, like you're saying, I think, and it might not even be the men. Ah, it's like, again, we're not trying to bash anyone, but I think like no. Sunday school, the institution of Sunday school and like mentoring women in, in church, I think there's such a, the, the pendulum of teaching gets swung to like, we want you to be holy, pure, righteous character on the inside. Pay attention yeah. to that. Great and awesome and necessary. Right. But that's not everything. <laughs> right. Like equally important. I think we should have confidence in our outward appearance. Oh, that plays a role, even in a really good, like appreciation of art almost like, okay. Yeah. Appreciate what God created you with. Like, I think that is like something that, I think we got to embrace too. Absolutely. I, I mean, I certainly don't want to encourage anybody to strive to attain the world standard Not, of beauty or to no. value that as something that's really important. But I think valuing beauty, God made things beautiful. Look at the earth. He made you beautiful. I see you, sis. You know, so <laughs> so wild. <laughs> beauty. And so we need to find a way that is constructive and helpful and brings us closer to God to express beauty and to be intentional about beauty and to not resent needing to be beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely. Does that make sense? No. Yeah. It's so true. Be yourself. You know, I want to be myself. I want to be my own version of beautiful. If I wanted to attain the world standards, I would have some, I would be looking a whole different way. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But I just realized that people who wanted the best for me wanted to make sure that my insides were good. And by the grace of God, I feel like they really did that. You know, I had a really good upbringing, great people around me. I was just so blessed and fortunate in that area. But the focus was godly character and lifestyle and life choices and good judgment, which I am extremely grateful for, right? I, I regret nothing. And ain't nobody tell me that I kind of needed to, exactly. you know, not that I was busted, right? Nobody let me walk out. And that's, and that's the thing. It's this little tent. It's, it's, a, it's a mental shift. It's a mind thing. Right. You know? We didn't own it. Yeah. But then you were doing a good job maintaining yourself, but you didn't own it, you know? And well, I, I think was looking, I was I was looking appropriate. I was looking fine. I was looking okay. But I think cultivating a feminine appearance intention for me. That, there that because I looked well put together doesn't mean that I looked feminine. Okay, so this is can we talk about that? Because I think that's another aha moment that I think over our friendship. I mean, you have a Facebook, you have a either Facebook or IG. I think your IG is wisdom meets beauty, but I think you also had um, this idea in the past of like feminine allure. Like yeah. This, talk about that because I think you just hit another aha moment in your own journey that I think I was deeply affected and encouraged by. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see what I want to say about that. I think 
So I mentioned that I've like always had these guy friends, like always. And I'm okay, me too. I've had that all my life. And I'm also the only girl in my family. So I Okay. So I feel like men love me. I don't mean like generally all the men in the world. I feel like I have been loved by good men within my family and without consistently. So I know that there's something about me that's attracted to men. So that's mm-hmm. one. But number two, I was trying to figure out like, why am I not being approached by men? Why am I not being asked out on dates all the time? Like, because I, I, I feel like other women are like, I get asked out every day. And I'm like, mm, it's not every day. You know, we could up my numbers. Um, <laughs> and so I was just trying to figure out like, you know, what is it? Because I know that I'm, I feel like I am an attractive person and I have something to offer and to contribute, especially in a relationship, but just in life as well. And so I'm just trying to figure out like what those differences were. And because I'm a nerd, I love books, I love information, I just started digging. And I think part of what I landed on was the importance of cultivating femininity, of cultivating feminine. It's not just being beautiful. It's having a femininity about you, mm. about me, right? Mm. I was very, very business, very kind of professionally oriented, very ambitious. And I still am. Amen. Um, but that is not the part of me that men are attracted to as far as relationships. Mm. There are men who love to talk to me about business ideas, philosophy. I mean, um, even, even so the husbands of my married female friends who I'm close to, they like, they like to talk to me, you know? And so I'm like, okay, it's not that, but it might be something that I'm giving off as far as, am I approachable? I wasn't, I was not approachable. So am I approachable? Am I giving off my light? I had to figure out what it meant to be feminine for me. Um, so I, I, that's a start. I don't know. I haven't it finished. Start. And I think you, um, I think you went through that evolution maybe like, I don't know, like even eight, eight, nine years ago or something like that. I mean, that, yeah, that was the beginning of it. And this kind yeah. of thing. And there were times where you would talk, I mean, you really went in. I think there were two bouts of, you, I don't know what it was. There was a time where you were doing, I think an internship and you were like talking about uh, just embracing a lot of self-care and like treating oh, yourself yeah. as like the mm-hmm. queen or, or princess of like Esther. I think there was this phase and I'm yeah. not being touched by that, but not even asking too much about it. But then later coming back to it in, in my mind as a friend, I was like, this one friend did this. And I'm like, it's Alex. And so I remember another version or a conversation we had where you talked about I think either it was Laura Doyle or somebody else who, who you pulled from the book that she wrote on femininity and that being the, uh, what was it? Femininity is like shaking your tail feather <laughs> men or something like that. Like there was some analogy she used about, it's not that women need to chase men. They attract men. You yeah. Oh, it was like yeah. that distinction of, women are being desperate and they're chasing them. They don't realize it's like, you don't have to do that. You just really need to hone your femininity. And I think those were some of those aha moments, which you, you pretty much discussed, but it really touched me again. And it came, I came back to it when I was reading Terry McMillan's book, where she talked about the feminine energy is what yeah, she feminine energy. Yes. Um, where men don't need, and it's funny. It, it, I, I stand a reason there's another, dating coach I read and he kind of he kind of talked about it a little bit with a little more crass but he was like listen men don't want to date men like if you're again yeah. male, they don't want to date they don't want to kiss a male they don't want to come home and talk to you know use the same game face 
uh, professionalism. Yeah, and they don't want to compete. They don't want to compete with you. Yeah. They don't want to, they don't want to battle with you. Terry yeah. really talked about that. She's like, they don't want to come home to that. They're like very simple. They want nice. They want sweet. They want kind that they want you to feed them. They want you to, be, you yeah. know, and it's funny because I mean, it's not to generalize men from some, some author's perspective, but I feel like when we are single young professional women for so long, taking care of ourselves means honing in that we start to grow in sort of androgyny or something like that, or like becoming yep. more professional so that we can be around men and not feel insecure Absolutely. in the professional Absolutely. setting. But then it comes back to when we come out of those professional settings, we don't know how to turn that off. Yeah. We don't know how to like, sort of code switch or energy switch. Like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. Be, yeah. Well, let go. me, let me say a couple of things about that. That sure. was good. Um, so you and I read a lot of the same books, you know, about singleness and stuff like that. So I'm definitely tracking with you. Um, as far as femininity. So one of the things was I didn't want to not be myself while trying to become feminine. So when I first learned about this concept, I thought that I was going to have to change who I was and I was unwilling. I was like, that's what I'm not going to do. Um, <laughs> what you're not going to. <laughs> but I have found the more I learned and the more I practice things that are feminine in my expression, I've learned that I really, it's allowed me to thrive. Some, some practical ways I can describe that. It's like, I don't believe in grinding. I used to be a grind. I used to be like, let's grind, stay up all night, work. You don't, no sleep. No, <laughs> you're so Double Dutch. Um, hey. Working hard. I believe like we're not out here to play. Look, you can't, you can't steal all my answers. This is the thing. Listen, I'm just listen. When it's you and me, we might as well just be saying the same thing. Okay. Yeah, I know. Go, go. Okay. So I gave up grinding. Like that is masculine energy that actually was costing me more than it was benefiting Ooh. me. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I got really intentional about beautifying my space. Like, like being an incredible decorator isn't one of my strengths. However, I know that candles are nice. So I buy candles. Like, I can handle that. That's within my capacity, you know? Um, beautifying myself, right? So, you know, manicure, pedicure, great. But even beyond that, like, taking a nice long soak in a tub with Epsom salt, so that I can relax my body, like focusing on relaxing, getting enough sleep. These are things that allow me to cultivate femininity. And I, I found that I thrive, even professionally, when I'm in feminine energy for most of the time, because I wasn't created to be in masculine energy. It don't work for me. And I didn't know that. Nobody told me that. Yeah. That's okay. I had to learn. And so, yeah. Oh, there was something else I was going to say. It'll come back. But yeah. No, those are great examples of learning to come into oh let me say well i have this thought you were talking about kind of code code switching out of that kind of professional masculine energy which it sometimes does require uh to get into feminine energy so i have a way that i actually do that (laughs) so when i'm going but go ahead (laughs) and so when i am going to a place where i want to be in feminine mode that either means i just feel like feeling real feminine tonight or they're going to be possibly guys, you know, so I want to have it together, um, who I might be interested in. This is what I do. I get home from work or whatever I'm doing that day, and I start getting ready. So that's doing my hair, makeup, nails, clothes, whatever. But I have a playlist, and I think it's called Feminine Energy or just Feminine or something. And I put on songs that make me feel like a woman who wants to be loved. Mm-hmm. So some of those songs are 
things like You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman, um, songs by Kim, um, songs by Maxwell, um, Shania Twain. Maxwell does it. Maxwell does it. Girl. Um, But, you know, man, I feel like a woman. Like, I love that song by Shania Twain. And I just have this playlist that I play. And really, and this goes, so this is like stepping over into my singer side. But what you sing gets into your soul. And so I believe that can really shift kind of the atmosphere internally, it, it changes the thermostat, it, it kind of shifts things. So that's how I intentionally switch out of masculine mode. That's it. I love it. I love it. And I remember distinctly when you told me that you did uh-huh. that and uh-huh. I started doing it too. <laughs> it's very effective. I highly recommend it. It is. It is. It is. So any other aha moments to stand out to you about your singleness journey that you feel like? <sighs> uh... I mean, nothing in particular comes to mind. I will say, so, uh, okay, something that's important, it's not necessarily an aha moment, but it's really important to my walk of singleness. I live in Seattle now. I've been here for like five and a half years. And when I moved here, I, I thought that maybe I had just become unattractive overnight or so. it was very odd because like nobody was trying to holler. So it's like, like a desert overnight drought season. And I was very confused. And so... Um, I have to learn a couple of things. I, the reason I bring this up is because I want women to know that where you live matters. It does. So back home, I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. Back home, my body type is preferred by a lot of men, and I get attention from men. And regular, I get compliments, ladies, men, like all day, every day. I'm, this is not like to boast or anything. I'm just saying like the difference is geographically um, because my body type is preferred by a lot of men. So, and, and men are much more forward on the East coast. At least that's what I found. They will, you, are you, if you walking by, Oh, you have such a beautiful smile. You might be, have your headphones in a book. They are not deterred, honey. They're going to talk to you. And so you have to do nothing for men to express their interest and compliment you and try to track up a conversation. So in Seattle, there are a couple of things. One, there are not a lot of black women like me. There are not a lot of black people, period. And there are not a lot of black women who have like, I think of my, myself as kind of a stereotypical black woman build, if you know what I mean. And so, so that's number one. I may not be the, the preferred body type of a lot of men out here. That's number one. And then number two is culture is very different out here. Like women typically initiate by, you know, making eye contact and smiling and encouraging. They got, women got to do a bunch of stuff. I remember the first, I went to like this Valentine's thing at a winery. It's my first time out when I moved to Seattle. And this woman went and bought herself a glass of wine. And then she went up and introduced herself to me. And I was just like, I don't, I don't even, does not compute, does not compute. (laughs) I was like, in what world, in a room full of single men and women, do I need to buy my own drink? The devil is a lie, you know? And so (laughs) it's very different. It's very different. And so I had to decide, like, do I want to change the way that I interact with men and how much? Um, And just be aware of that. So if I was in Jacksonville, Florida, the likelihood that I would be in a relationship is very high. I was... Uh, speaking with someone really seriously back home and decided to cut it off because I didn't live there, you know, and, and just because I just had better chances there, you know, (laughs) not that there aren't guys I've been on dates here. Everything is fine, but where you live matters. So consider the demographics where you are, the culture, where you are, there aren't a lot of black people period. So 
Not that I, you see what I'm saying? No, I absolutely see what you're saying. And I didn't get it. Like I, I thought it was a myth and I thought I actually hated when friends this is back. It was a soft hate, but I, I hated when friends who were single for a long time said, oh, there's no, there's just no available single men in South Florida. Cause in my mind, I was like, well, yeah, no, I don't agree with that. Or believe no, don't that. say those things. Cause it, it almost encourages doubt and frustration, yeah. I mean, whatever, whatever. But then I got with a, a book that recently was published by John Berger called Datanomics. And basically his whole premise is where you live matters. Yeah, you live in an area where um, a lot of women are just naturally, men are not probably going to be settled down. That was his premise. Mm-hmm. He had statistics to back it up. But if you live in an area where, and it's funny, he was like geographically where there's a lot higher percentage of men and he like named the cities, there's a higher chance that you're going to be able to date and be in a long-term relationship longer. Now that's just, that was his premise, his side of it, but yours is great too. Cause it's, it's true. Culture plays a role. Like South Florida is known to be a hookup culture too. I didn't know that. I mean, I didn't grow up being aware of that. You know, it's a resort lifestyle. People are more superficial in South Florida. I didn't realize that, you know? So oh, it's all important. I think, especially in Seattle as well, Seattle is a great place for singles, particularly if you are just really open in your choices of partners. And yeah. so I have, so on top of being in a place where the culture of dating is a little bit different, which I feel like I've been okay with, like I've adjusted to it or any, you know, whatever. Um, and I, I feel like I get my share of attention but what I'm looking for is also less prevalent. Seattle is one of the least churched kind of metropolitan areas. That's yeah, that's right. So as a devout Christian where someone not being a believer is a literal deal breaker for me. There, my, my dating pool shrinks tremendously because there are so many people in this area who are not men of faith who follow Christ. Like a lot, yeah, <laughs> most, <that's, laughs> the yeah. great majority. So even if somebody is interested or compatible with me on all the other levels, if the Jesus situation isn't together, for what? Like it's a waste of both of our times. So I'm not necessarily waste as, as in going out on a date because I think something can always be learned from that. But as far as real partnership, it's just not going to happen. So Right, right. All right. So I think we're done with aha moments. I think everybody okay. know, like, <laughs> has heard and gleaned your wisdom and just all of our... Uh, like old moments together as friends. How about this? Let's do some rapid fire questions in singleness. And okay. these are like quick answers. And if they're juicy uh-huh. enough, we might explore some more. So rapid fire question number one is, as for terms, which term do you prefer using? Dating or courting? Dating. Why? Courting is weird. <laughs> what do you you got to explain it. You got to sell what your definition means. It's too complicated. It's too much. Else. It's just like, are the we most. really going to do this? The most. Gosh. Yeah. And then and when I, people break off courting and right. acting like it's a better option, stop, stop. Yeah. Number yeah. two, do you feel like single people are neglected? By whom? I would say in the, in the, in the Christian church arena. Yeah. So the word that I would, would use is overlooked, mm-hmm. but maybe that means the same thing. So I would say by and large, absolutely, yes, 100%. But used as the workhorses because the expectation is that you're more available. So you do everything for the church, but you get less care, attention. I don't know. You no, know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Number three, do looks matter or no? Absolutely, 100%, yes. Okay. Number four, your opinion, the top priority for every single woman, single woman is? 
priority for what? Like what's the end game? What do you think the priority would be for every woman who is still single beyond and wants to be married and wants to be married? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It just depends on like where you are in your life. That one I think is too, like, it's too, it's really broad, but it's just really to give your opinion on like, for example, what a priority should be. uh, I would say getting comfortable in your own skin, owning your own. Okay. Your own self. Okay. Number five. What's the worst or funniest meme on singleness you've ever seen? So I can't remember because I don't remember stuff like that. But I do have one that came to mind when I saw this question. There was one that someone that I follow on Instagram posted on Valentine's Day. And it was this cake. And it said, nobody even likes you. (laughs) I just find it so amusing. Like every single time I see it. So I like that one. Nobody even likes you. Nobody even likes you. Number six, would you prefer being married at 20 or single until 40 than married? Well, I mean, are those the only two options? I miss That's the whole point. My question is not trying to be uh, like well balanced. It's just. Well, it's got to be 40 because I missed the boat at 20, but I wasn't concerned. I have no regrets. Okay, cool. Number seven, which one is it? Not enough single eligible men or not enough women looking in the right areas? Neither, because grace. I do think that luck, fate, Jesus, it all plays a role. Okay. Number eight, arranged marriages or no? Why not? If you got somebody that loves you and they're willing to try, go for it. I'd go out with somebody my parents pick. They know me. I trust them. Number nine. I like that. I like that. (laughs) Number nine, what book would you recommend to She Ventures Tribe on this topic and why? Nikki, give me a top two. A lot of people keep keep giving me two because they feel constricted with one. No, I'm going to do one because I thought about this one. I think knowing some of the demographic that you're reaching out to or who are likely to engage with you initially, um, the book that might be missing is Laura Laura Doyle's Surrendered Single, Single, The Surrendered Single by Laura Doyle. I feel like that was the missing link. For you? Okay. A lot. And I think, it's not that I agree with everything. Right. No. I mean, clear. So, um, but it was information that I needed. Like that was integral to my mindset shift. And I, I want all the single women I know to read that book. Right. Wow. That's good. That's good. Okay. So grand finale question on this topic. I saw Collateral Beauty at the end of last year and it was a, mm, it actually didn't do really well, but it was a good movie just on the topic of sort of finding the bright side, silver linings in life mm-hmm. while grappling with the heavy emotion of disappointments, death, sorrow, mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. And what I would like for, for us to hear from you would be, what do you think has been the main collateral beauty for you while single? So this is a great question. I think because I have literally always been single, I mean, as far as my adult life, I would either have to qualify, do I have to say that all of my adult life is collateral beauty? All of the beauty in my adult life is collateral. And I reject that. And so I would have to say that I am not experiencing collateral beauty as a result of singleness. If the question is, what's the silver lining about singleness? I can do whatever I want. I can go wherever I want. I ain't got to ask nobody. I ain't got to <laughs> I'm, I'm all the way free, you know? Yes. So that's probably the the great silver lining but because of my specific situation I wouldn't call the beauty around me collateral because then I'm like that's true that's a good point I think I I think where I'm uh I think I was trying to go towards the moments in our of our grief while single because we're single 
what would be the beauty of tackling that grief or that disappointment? Because those are good. Here's the thing. I think there are some great benefits to being single. We've heard Mm -hmm. them over and over again. We know that, but like we can still be upset that I'm single. I'm enjoying this benefit, but I'm single at all. You know, like what do you think the collateral beauty would be of facing that feeling of like, dog, I got to celebrate by myself or the collateral beauty of I got to love me without yeah. nobody else. I think you, know? you, you just said it, right? Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the lessons you're forced to learn. You have to find a different way to be in the world. You have to, you have to find a way to make it okay. If you want to thrive, like, you know, you got to deal with it. So I feel like as a result of the things specifically related to grief and turmoil at times and despair at times, hopelessness, like I have run the gamut about singleness and wanting to be partnered. I think because I need to deal with and process that stuff, it builds emotional maturity. It builds resilience. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes me a better friend. It makes me more content with my life when I can really deeply address those issues. Yeah. Alex, thank you so much for this topic, addressing this issue. Not everyone is open. And I definitely didn't try to play the friendship card too hard with you because I know I want you to be free to say no, but you embrace this and we love it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. All right. We're going to continue this conversation, but I'm going to end this segment. So I'm going to hit step.